Welcome once again to Inside the Cricket World Cup with C.S. Duplessis and Derek Alberts. A big thank you to Good Luck providing once again our intro. It is the intro to the tournament. Not even a week into it and ready South Africa are two matches down. They were start ever to a World Cup. C.S. it's uh, it feels like a lifetime away since we last spoke. It's been just a few days, but what a difference a few days make. Derek, there's so much to talk about. I don't even know where to start. Firstly, that Good Luck song is just absolutely outstanding. The World Cup song is growing on me. After our first episode, I was like, yeah. I wasn't quite convinced. But it is growing on me. Where do we start? Uh, I think 0-2 is not a place you want to be at a World Cup. All of a sudden, questions around players, injuries, laid-back coaching styles. And I will delve deeper into that as we get into the podcast. But there's, for me, it's not, not quite cause for concern right now no no need to panic but i think the game against india if we go 0 and 3 we're under immense pressure to get anywhere near the semi-finals yeah john t Rhodes said it on twitter uh, during the game on sunday uh, halfway through he said okay now it's time to panic but you're right though i mean the format lends itself that you can uh, come away with a couple of losses and still manage to make the semi-finals however i think south africa have dropped their standards uh, over the course of the year south african fans rather because Back in the day, we used to pride ourselves on being able to go unbeaten into the knockouts. However, we always knew that once it got to the knockouts, that's when we really came unstuck. Um, so these days, uh, we, we tend to be a bit more forgiving when, when we do have a, a loss or two under the belt. But, I mean, two losses in two matches, and it's not just losing. That's, that's okay. You can deal with it. It's the way that we're losing, which everyone is up in arms about. I mean, that, that match against England, there was only one team in it. Um, granted, our batting was a bit more improved against Bangladesh. But again, the 21-run defeat flattered South Africa somewhat because with about three overs to go, it, it was uh, conclusive who was going to come away at the win. It's interesting to see the reactions on social media. Uh, as you say, John T. Rhodes, uh, Herschel Gibbs, uh, Paul Harris, they've all been quite outspoken. Alvira Peterson, you name uh, so many former cricketers that have weighed in. But it's amazing. That's the thing about cricket. It's unlike rugby or, or soccer with Bafana Bafana. Like certain sections of the nation get upset um, when those teams lose. But when the Proteas lose, it's like the entire nation gets upset about it. So, yes, I think South Africans in general were, were very disappointed with the way the results went. But I, I think I look at the Bangladesh game and I go, maybe it's just a bad day at the office. You know, um, in a way that, okay, Faf potentially got uh, the toss wrong. Um, you look at uh, Hashim Amla not being cleared to play. He needed to play in that Bangladesh game to get some confidence, time at the crease. And Lungengidi's injury didn't help matters either. But unforgivable for me is the standard of fielding. It's, mm. it's really gone down. And, and Especially that, from a South African side. Yeah, the you one thing you could always count on 100%. was a, a good fielding SA team. Definitely. And, and, and I mean, it's like catches that should have been swallowed uh, balls going through players legs you know unforgivable mistakes on a global stage you know if there's one thing they need to get right is the basics i know it's a cliche but it's true you get the basics right maybe potentially if we can be hypercritical bowlers may be getting the lengths wrong is another thing to look at you know i think these surfaces have been outstanding in england so far they've offered a bit for for up front for the seamers they've definitely turned but the batsmen cannot complain they've been pretty good surfaces to get in on and score runs so yeah a lot of dissection a lot of soul searching but 
possibly a bad day at the office. Maybe we can put it down to that. Yeah, there's plenty to talk about with regards to the Cricket World Cup. And you mentioned the the toss. I mean, I was highly critical of Fafa, particularly when it comes to early days in the World Cup. Um, someone mentioned on Twitter, uh, Bock and Roll, uh, and I love this comment. He said, nine times out of ten, Steve Waugh would bat first. The 10th time he'd think about it, then he'd bat first. Uh, and that pretty much summed the Australian way. And, and something else that, I, that, that caught my attention, I was doing a bit of research with regards to Tosses and South Africa. Um, Tosses, T-O-S-S-E-S. You are becoming the stat guy. Yeah. yeah uh-huh. I love your stats. Yeah, but it's cricket though. It's so yeah. easy. Yeah. At, and, and, and you know what? I, I actually, I was a bit naughty because I put out a, a, a stat um, immediately after the game. And I said, if you look back at the history of the eight World Cups that we've played in, we've actually only uh, chosen to bat bowl first uh, on three occasions against the the non-minos. So teams that aren't uh, represented in this World Cup. So I said, on only three occasions we've chosen to do that. Uh, We've actually gone and won. Um, The rest of the time we've lost. And, And someone said, well, what about when we batted? And I said, oh, good point. And I went, and it was actually four times. So, so it did actually it did look a bit skewed. And that led me to think, well, how many times have we actually won the toss? And does it, uh, we, we potentially could be quite terrible when it comes to that. So I found this stat out. Uh, no, 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 no. Where are we now? Okay. Um, uh, here we go. Uh, in, in instances where we won the toss, we won it 13 times. We lost 11 matches. And we tied once. So almost just over 50% win record yeah. on winning the toss. Exactly. When we lost the toss, we won 22 matches. We only lost nine and tied one. So it almost works in our benefit to... So we shouldn't even pitch up to the toss. Yeah. <laughs> Stay in the change room and wait to see what happens. But more interesting is the fact that it lends itself to both. Uh, not just us, but the opposition. Because you could say that they're getting it wrong too. Because, of course, when they're winning the toss, they're losing and, and vice versa when, whenever we play each other. So, yeah, it's, it's not an exact science, but I always want, I prefer to see us better, unless, of course, situation lends itself to bowling because it, it always changes on the day. It always depends on pitches and conditions, et cetera, et cetera. But um, Faf admitted afterwards that, that he certainly got it wrong, which is pretty cool to hear. You don't often hear guys beat themselves up. So I, I quite enjoyed it. Speaking of Faf, uh, let's hear him quickly. Uh, following the, the defeat against Bangladesh? Every single player in our dressing room is not playing to their full potential, and that's why we're not putting the, the performance on. As soon as that starts happening, then those things will change. You know, Every, every player in the team can say that. You know, no, none, none of us has been on top of a game yet, um, so it's just about making sure you look at yourself in the mirror and see how you can find that answer. Yeah, scathing comments at the beginning. Every single player not playing to their potential. Yeah, he's, he's not one to pass the buck. I think uh, what's quite refreshing about Faf is the way he handles the media and that, you know, if, he, if he's messed up, he owns up to it, he takes responsibility and he doesn't shift the blame. He, he tends to take a lot of that heat off the team by the focus on him. Um, but that said, you know, there were a few question marks. I mean, he's only human, Faf Duplessis. Maybe it was a bad day at the office. Um, but at the same time, for me, scoreboard pressure is huge, you know, and, and it's maybe they were thinking, okay. Particularly in a World Cup. Exactly, and, and I think any time 300 goes up, you're like, oh, goodness gracious. There's run a ball immediately from, from ball one. So I, w- I would tend to go with a Steve Waugh approach, set a target, put the pressure on the other team, and manage it from there. But maybe he, they were looking at it as it's early doors in the tournament. 
let's see what we like chasing as an experiment. Um, but I just feel the scoreboard pressure is, is something that teams don't deal with at World Cup, especially when you're chasing in excess of 300. A couple of encouraging things that have emanated so far from the World Cup, uh, not even a week into it, was uh, firstly Bangladesh. They're not a minnow anymore. I mean, they haven't been a minnow for a while, but you need to regard them as a very, very tough side. And, I mean, it's the third time we've lost to them, the second time we've lost to them in a World Cup. So we're certainly not new to defeat when uh, taking on the Tigers. But, yeah, I think this notion by a lot of people, uh, heading into the game, I spoke to a few, and they said, oh, it's only Bangladesh. I mean, those days are long gone. Yeah, I think there's no disgrace, actually, in losing to Bangladesh. They've beaten some of the top sides in the world. You look at their rankings of their all-rounders. Sakibul Hassan at the top. I mean, faster to 5,000 runs and 250 wickets. He was a game-changer. Um, I just think they punch so so much above their weight, these, these guys. The Bangladesh are cricket mad. They've done their homework. I mean, Sakibul Hassan didn't play IPL. He took his back step just to prepare and, and, I mean, it just shows these guys take their, serious, their cricket so seriously that they are not intimidated by anyone anymore. That little bit of self-belief and fire that they've got just puts them on another level. So I think our fans that are out there saying, oh, how can we lose to Bangladesh and they need to fire this person and fire the batting coach and fire everyone. No, 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 no. Bangladesh are not Mickey Mouse by no means. Uh, a big thank you to Starbucks for hosting us today. We've been traveling the country uh, doing this roadshow around. Uh, last week we had CBC over at, uh, I think that was the title, uh, Oatamba. Yeah, the airport's uh, craft brewers. Yeah, really, really nice place. Thank you. So that uh, noisy here in the background, uh, that's uh, yet another a fan uh, crying over the Proteus performances over the last couple of days. Disbelief. <laughs> <laughs> Another encouraging thing. I, I think there are very few silver linings to take from the Proteus performance. Um, but one player who certainly put his hand up, and he continued this vein of form throughout the build-up to the tournament, and he's brand new to the side, is, is Rassi van der Dissen. I think he's so far been the most consistent and best performer for SA. Yeah, and it surprises me that he's coming for a bit of stick after his two innings. I mean, a half century against England uh, at a time where it wasn't easy against the pace of Jofra Archer. Uh, and then you look at uh, this innings here. He, he's in a position where he couldn't be too aggressive because he was running out of partners at the same time. And he had to keep the, the scoreboard ticking over. For me, he's a gun cricketer. I'm a big fan. Um, I like that he can potentially take apart a bowling attack, but he can also play the touch game. So I, I think the, the abuse he's come in for is unwarranted. I think the guys, uh, you've, you've interviewed him, you've spoken to him a few times. I think he bleeds uh, green and gold. He's that passionate about the country. And, and I just think he's a top cricketer. And I think, although he would have loved to see that 40-odd turn into an 80 or something along those lines, that will come, though. And it's his first World Cup. The guys batted in difficult situations. And I just think he's a fantastic cricketer. That, that will come good. We're going to see a big score from Rassi van der Dissen at this World Cup. Yeah, he's still... D- Still devoid of a uh, century as Rassi, but uh, he has come close to thereabouts. And also a player who comes in the middle orders uh, certainly is hamstrung by getting it, especially a guy that paces innings like he does. And he's not necessarily an A.B. de Villiers type player where he destroys from the get-go. Uh, but yeah, he, he certainly has put his hand up for, for higher honours and, and to go over to that three-figure mark. And I, I uh, wholly agree that, that that certainly will come. Would you bet him at three? But possibly, because for me at this stage, you look at our, our batting order, okay, Hashim and, and Quinny would be your number one choice at the top, right? Because you have that calmness building in innings, and then you have the explosiveness of, of Quinny. But 
I just feel like Aiden potentially Markham should be shifted to a four or five and float there. Whereas I think a guy like Rusty with a bit more time at the top of the order, potentially three in that role, I think that could suit him better than coming in sort of five or, you know, fours even. You know, I just, that, that's what I think. I think it, it could be dependent on what happened at the top because if you had Hashim and, and Rassi together, I don't think that would quite work. In fact, remember when they did bat together and South Africa put in a decent total, but it was exceptionally slow yeah. and Pakistan coasted to the victory. It was Pakistan. And um, I think Quinty, uh, Quinny de Kock and, and Rassi are a great foil for each other. Yeah. But we're, we're Hashim to stick around. That being said, we don't even know if Hashim's going to be there for the rest of the tournament. Speaking of uh, being there, um, we've got another massive injury blow in, in the form of Lungi and Gidi. And uh, he's been ruled out for 10 days with a hamstring strain. So Dale Sane already on tender hooks. And there we've got Lungi uh, getting, getting injured. And um, already, of course, Anrik Nokia didn't make the trip. Uh, he was ruled out just before. So here was uh, Protea's team manager, Dr. Mohamed Musaji, immediately after the game, uh, speaking about exactly uh, what the situation is uh, with regards to uh, the, the injury camp at the moment. First we'll talk about Lungi Nkidi. He sustained, uh, he sustained sharp discomfort in his left hamstring after bowling the fourth over today. Uh, he came off, he was assessed and clinically we felt that he had a left hamstring strain. Uh, we decided not to let him go out there and bowl any further in this match. So currently it probably means that he'll, pro he'll be out for about a week to 10 days, but we'll have scans done tomorrow. The plan will be probably to get him ready for the West Indies match. Uh, the other person we need to talk about is Hashim Amla. As we all know, during the last match here, he sustained a blow to the helmet. When he came off the field, he was assessed. There were concussion assessment tests done, as well as various computerized assessments done. Uh, initially, the results were what we call inconclusive or equivocal. Repeat tests were done about hour and hour, one and a half hours later, which were much clearer than the ones before, and that's why the decision was made to let him go out there and bat. Subsequent to the, the match, the next day, he felt some symptoms, and therefore, as a precaution, we decided to rest him from this game. The plan is to get him ready for the match against India on Wednesday in Southampton. Yeah, Dale Stein, uh, as we said before we left South Africa, that it's very much uh, watching his progress. Almost, The plan was always to try and get him ready for the India or the West Indies game. So he's making decent progress. So he's out there bowling right now. We'll make a call the day before the India game as to where he is currently. Yeah, so injuries certainly ripping through the SA squad at the moment, which is massively scary given where we sit. I think that the worrying one for me is uh, is Lungi and Kidi. A hamstring one is is particularly tricky. Um, normally, with a unit that he is, he's he's a massive dude. Uh, he, he carries a lot of weight around. Hamstring needs to be nurtured, and and the problem is, is you rush someone back, especially a fast bowler, and that hamstring's not hundred percent. So I think ten days is is. Cons I don't know. I think it would probably going to be a bit longer. So the West Indies game would be great, and let's hope he recovers fast. But uh, if he goes down and he's out of the tournament, there's some big holes because, as you said, Dale Stain comes back into India. It's essentially a must-win game or high-pressure game. He's going to be fired up, but at the same time, he's got to watch his shoulder. You don't want to play a game where you're worrying about a certain body part that it might be injured again. So uh, those are concerns for me. Hashim Amla... 
like I said earlier, I think he needed to play in this Bangladesh game. Yes, fine, medically he wasn't cleared to play, but I think he needed to have time at the crease against another type of attack because it was a strange one. The impact was on the grill of the helmet, right? But it looks like the actual lid, you know, where that sort of cushioning is, sort of because of the force pushed in there or something, or the impact was there. So I have heard of times where batsmen have gone off and then only later they felt the impact um, with a concussion test. And, you know, with rugby, it's the same thing. Sometimes it's a delayed thing that comes on. So I wonder how much that's dented his confidence. So just to, to final, finally wrap up uh, the Proteus performance, because there's so much to take out over the few days that we have witnessed uh, from the Cricket World Cup, mostly very, very good from an enjoyment perspective. But uh, CS mentioned uh, the, the situation regarding Dale Stan and, and how did the Proteus handle it going in, uh, knowing full well that uh, Lungi and Gidi now is out of the picture um, and, and the rest uh, of the attack certainly on firing. Well, the question was posed uh, to Fafdu Plessis, and he was surprisingly candid as to um, exactly uh, what, how they would go about dealing uh, with the Dale Stain issue and uh, the rest regarding the injury situation. You know, the odds trickier because you know, as because our resources is slim. Um, as I said, if if there was an option to, to straight away put him in, if if Anrich was here, you could say, listen, Dale, it's getting to that time now where you need to you need to play or where we need to substitute you. Um, but now we've got two or three. So do you do you send both? You know, do you send both back to get someone else in? Um, that's uh, the medical guru here will try and help help us out with that. But it's Dale Stein is still, a, if he's fit, um, he can still make a huge difference to our performance. Uh, and we need guys to make differences in this team. We don't, you know, so Dale is one of them. Lungi is also one of them. You know, Lungi is, will also be the first to say that he hasn't bowled to his full potential uh, the last two games. Yeah, he's normally our best line and length bowler. Um, yeah, so, you know, he worked hard on his fitness uh, leading up to this game, but, you know, he's also had a lot of injuries over a short period of time now. So that makes, you know, got to challenge him to, to work harder, making sure that he gets his fitness up for longer. Uh, it's important for a young guy to play cricket um, over over extended period of time, not just to play a couple of games, break down a couple of games again. So Faf went out and said it, the dreaded S-word substitute regarding Dale Stain without him having even stuck his toe in the water uh, as far as this World Cup's concerned. Yeah, it is a little bit concerning. Uh, we know what a fit Dale Stain brings to the mix. He is world-class, and he is the type of guy that we've seen in other World Cups. He's turned games on his head. He's cleaned up teams. He has that ability. But I don't think they're going to risk Dale Stain um, if he's not 100%, and I think that's why they've been cautioned. But who do you call up? I mean, uh, do you go for a Buren Hendricks? What do, you, what do you look at? I mean, do you bring a left-arm seamer? Do you mix it up, another spinner? I mean, Shamsi hasn't even seen action yet. Uh, a lot of people calling for him to be in the mix because of the surfaces out there. So who do you call up? I mean, that's the big question. Yeah, I think Buren would be my go-to guy, purely because, and no disrespect to him, I mean, he certainly is a good player, but also the lack of alternatives. Uh, I think he's been the only one that's reasonably been in the Proteus mix and the build-up um, Oh, apart from the guys that are actually there. So, so he would be my go-to guy. Um, and there's a lot of players that swear by a left-arm seamer. I mean, Herschel Gibbs had him in his side uh, a while back. And he said, uh, we just don't have the variety in our attack. And yeah, it's nice to say we've got an all-pace attack and they're very attacking. They're, they're very aggressive. But so far, we, we've seen none of that. No, it's been 
uncharacteristic in a way that we haven't been playing this aggressive cricket. It's almost been like we're too nice. You know, and, and too nice doesn't win you cricket games. You've got to be clinical. You've got to be in the face. I mean, you've seen a team like Pakistan go up against England and they've been in their faces, played aggressive cricket, and it unsettles your opposition. So it's almost like this gentlemanly approach to the gentleman's game, if you like. It's too... And also a lot's been said about this laid-back approach. I mean... This is a World Cup, guys. You know, we haven't ever won a World Cup. And the last time we triumphed in an ICC tournament, 1998, for God's sake. You know, we, we've got to man up here. We've got to be aggressive and we've got to be in their faces because that's what, when we play our best cricket is when we're angry, in the face, and put the team under pressure. Welcome back to Inside the Cricket World Cup. Derek Alberts and me, CS2 plus uh, look at all things cricket during this showpiece happening in England at the moment. Uh, we're joined down the line now by, uh, well, firstly, he's a, a World Cup winner with India, Gary Kirsten, one of our more famous opening batsmen, and he's doing great work with his foundation in Cape Town. Gary Kirsten, thanks so much for your time. Let's get straight into it. What is up with this laid-back style? We've seen uh, South Africa go 0-2 and, and there's talk about a laid-back style. And how things are, are going at the moment? How do you perceive uh, the, these first two games? It's almost like uh, people start to lick their lips when the World Cup comes around so they can get into the South African team. And it's really, it's not easy to manage. It's, it, it just requires, you know, the team going out and trying to play with the, with the skill levels that they are capable of doing in, in Cricket. I mean, I saw a stat the other day, which was remarkable. They got the second highest win ratio in World Cups. So it's uh, you know they're, they're able to win games with World Cups. It's just that there has been a legacy of losing critical or important games, which is a you know it's hard to shake it off. I think a lot of teams around the world in different sports uh, have been labelled with that tag, and 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 sometimes to shake it off is not an easy thing. But once you do, you can kind of get on your way and play with the freedom and skill that that, that the team is capable of. Fair to say that, that, that maybe the Bangladesh uh, was just a bad day at the office and something they'll put behind them and, and build towards India and, and try and do the basics right against India? Well, I think the one thing we know in this World Cup is that there's a lot of good cricket teams around. You know, you can all put some performances together. Bangladesh are now not a team that they were four, four, eight years, four years ago or even eight years ago where, you know, where you get one or two guys out and it's going, oh, there's lots of guys that can bat and, and lots that can bowl. And that's been credit to the way they've developed their, their cricket over there. Um, I think that's what the World Cup's about. There's no, they're no easy games anymore because every team's got bits uh, um, in, in the teams and that's what makes it a, a great format. Gary, as mentioned, you, you've famously won a World Cup back in, in 2011 uh, when you were at the helm with India. And you famously took not necessarily a laid-back approach, but uh, I remember you were quoted as saying, you know, what could you teach the likes of Sachin Tendulkar and, and MS Dhoni? I mean, they've learned all they can possibly learn uh, when it comes to batting, but, but yours was certainly a different tactic in terms of, of guiding them and, and, and being a, a mentor to to be able to make them realize that they are definite World Cup winners or within themselves. Um, do you, would you take a similar tactic now with regards to South Africa? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's difficult to say what is required. You know, I think uh, my role as a, as a coach or a leader within the Indian team, you know, we're, we're set up amongst the, the most senior players in the group, you know, and... Um, and how we wanted to play and how we wanted to go about it. Derek? Sorry about that. 
I ran out of battery. <laughs> no worries. <laughs> Can you believe it? No problem. I was, I was busy talking with him and I was not hearing anything on the other side. I thought, what's going on here? I realized I had no battery left. <laughs> no problem. Um, yeah, do you want to pick up from where you left off? You're talking about uh, your coaching was built around the senior players in India. Yeah, yeah. I think um, I think you know what we certainly try to do as an as an Indian team was um, to have a, a a kind of a collaborative uh, you know approach to how we wanted to deal with the you know the pressure of, of the World Cup. And I think the most important thing for us is we started to build it up from you know from four years out, where um, we started to talk the language of being in a quarterfinal or being in a semi final and how we would manage ourselves through through that process so it became a little bit more familiar with us um, I think I think as well um, the most important thing for us was to try and treat the, the, the World Cup as if it was you know just an, another event there was so much hype around the team um, and, and all the, the external noise but certainly while we were within the team we were very chilled we didn't take uh, losing one or two games too seriously and the players actually went off and spent some time with their families and we try to kind of normalize the environment as much as possible. You know, easier said than done, but um, it certainly helps. And then obviously just to have a lot of senior players around that can manage themselves in, in pressure situations, you know, makes a big difference. Gary, give us an idea of how mad it was uh, during that time. I mean, we all know that the, the, the cricketers can't walk around on the streets of India, but give us an idea of how crazy it was at that time, just the, the noise that came around the team and, and the expectations and the pressure. Yeah, I mean, it's, 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 you know, the Home World Cup makes it, makes it crazy. Um, and often you, 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 know, you don't really know how the group is going to respond in that in 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 that height and in that environment, um, and it requires special people. You know, I mean, every team requires special players to get to get the the team across the line. And interestingly enough, that World Cup, um, we always knew Yuvraj Singh was a was a gun player, um, but his performances had been up and down for a number of years for us. And in fact, he was there was a bit of doubt about him being picked in that in that World Cup. Um, but he had, he had applied himself. He had put his mind to what he wanted to achieve, and um, you know he went out and he um, he fired for us, mm. and he was a was a was massive for us in the in, in the entire tournament. Gary, there's no question that coaching India in any event um, is probably one of the most high pressure jobs in, in world sport. Um, but then you, you take over in South Africa and. Whenever it comes to the World Cup, we know the immense pressure that the Proteus feel, uh, given the, the demons of the past. Um, granted, you never coached South Africa during a World Cup, but did, did you see, find that players bore the scars of, of, past, of the past, of past performances uh, at the tournament? Yeah, absolutely, without a doubt. I mean, I, I watched a lot of those players that have played for the Proteus over the last five to ten years. And watch him in, with other teams, and you know now that we're playing a lot of other domestic competitions and everything. And I watch those players perform under pressure exceptionally well. You know, I mean, just our own Quinton de Kock uh, uh, just won RPL. You know, and uh, played really well in, in in the big games. So, you know, the you know, I think I think unfortunately what happens is that there is a legacy and is a scoring which everyone feels. You know, you know, and it's a. Uh, it's hard to harm the team. It just doesn't go away, you know. It's like the moment that one catch is dropped or one mistake is made, here we go again, kind of. That, that's the language. And it's very, 
it's a very difficult thing for for players to to overcome. You know, I just I just think of other great teams that have been tainted with the with the same brush. I mean, even New Zealand rugby at one point was tainted with that brush. You know, and then they, you know, they beat a, a very weak uh, French team eight seven in the World Cup final, um, and and kind of turned that noise around. You know, and now suddenly you know look at look at them now, and uh, you know one could argue that Barcelona, the, the great Barcelona football team, you know, also battle in the in those knockout games. So teams do suffer from it. Um, and sometimes it might take a long time to overcome it, but it's not great watching a high-performing team not perform at their best in those in those big games. It's not great at all. Gary, if you, if you were to step into Otis Gibson's shoes right now, I mean, what, what would you be saying to the guys going into this game against India? Well, ironically, I think the more games we lose, the easier it gets. <laughs> <laughs> because the less expectation there is, sure, you know. Yeah. So, you know, I my my view is that um, yeah, so certainly the two games um, that I've watched, um, it it feels like uh, that 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 there's not a kind of a less, enough kind of looseness in the game, and even if we get out playing bad shots or or get out making making some errors, I think we must do that as boldly as we can, going out just trying to take the game forward and trying to take the game on. And I think the more we kind of lose games, the easier it is to be able to do that. Um, to see um, our best players do great things on the field and things that we see day in and day out when they're playing in other competitions. I think that's what you—that's what one would want to look at, you know. Play with a bit of flair, play with a bit of freedom, take it on, even if it means making a few mistakes or, or it's going to create inconsistency. It doesn't really matter. No doubt, injury certainly will, will force Gibson's hand uh, going into the India clash. But any other changes that, that, that you'd make uh, to the side uh, uh, for the Southampton match? Oh, it's difficult to say. You know, I think, uh, I think as a coach, you're always, you're always in, in, in that conundrum of, of trying to deal with that. So <laughs> I don't know the answer to that. I think there's always, always a lot of different options. But um, yeah, <laughs> I don't know the answer. Uh, yeah, so how, how do you see the Indian game going? And, 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 and where do your allegiances lie, given the history with both sides? Uh, it's always difficult to to understand how these how these games will unfold, you know. Um, and it's difficult to predict games, you know. That's always the case. But uh, um, you know, I think I think India, strangely enough, I think the fact that they haven't played much. And, and, and South Africa will be into their third game. Will help. I think will help South Africa. I think India will be will be nervous to get off to to get off to a good start. So we'll kind of see where it goes. Oh, we certainly will. Uh, just remind us once again uh, what you'll be doing over in England uh, once uh, once you get over there. Yeah, just taking a um, an under thirteen team from Kylie a township team to play four matches and watch. The Proteus play three games, so we'll be firmly, firmly watching them and enjoying it. Yeah, Gary, keep up the good work with your foundation, man. I believe you're doing excellent work, and uh, I think South Africa Thanks, could man. benefit from more former players getting involved like you have. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Gary. We'll catch you over in the Take UK. Care. Ciao. Okay. Thanks, man. Hi, this is Albie Morkel, and you're listening to Inside the Cricket World Cup. With the king of E-Town, Sias, and the prince of PE, Derek.
Welcome back. You are with uh, the Prince of P and the King of Vitan. Thank you very much, LB. Wow. What an intro. <laughs> Thanks, LB. <laughs> yeah, speaking of kings, uh, he certainly is the, the, the King of India, Gary Kirsten. Great to hear his thoughts. And yeah, a, a better man you can't chat to in terms of winning a World Cup because he's, he's one of the few, if any, South Africans to do it. Yeah, I mean, uh, his CV is unbelievable. And, and what he's been doing with IPL teams, uh, and, and you think back to that 2011 World Cup. I mean, India, I mean, it was just mad, wasn't it? Because you had the pressure on this team. And Gary Kirsten is as cool and calm and collected as you like. And he got on with the business and he delivered the goods. But I just think it would be great to maybe look at him as a future South Africa. Who knows? I don't know. I don't know if he would even be interested in the job one day. There's, there's, there's no question. Uh, he has to be at the helm once more. Um, but yeah, let's uh, wrap up with regards to the tournament in general. I, I've thoroughly enjoyed what I've seen so far from an entertainment perspective. Uh, I think the broadcast has been exceptional. Amazing cu- a couple of the stats that have come out, things that we haven't seen before. I think a few things that are a little iffy. You've seen those phase winners, yeah, which they adopted in, in test cricket in sessions one, two, and three. They're doing it with the phases. There's one instance, I remember uh, South Africa playing England in that opening match. Um, it was that period where we got Root and Roy in, in, pretty, in quick succession, I think over a part or something. The only phase we won. Well, no, game. they gave it as a draw. What? Yeah, and, and, and I understand the reasoning behind it because I think in that period, England got 60 runs and we took two wickets, which is fair enough. But given the situation... We would have taken that hands down. Definitely. Given it was their two key batsmen and they looked in for all money and suddenly two quick sticks and South Africa were back in the game. So I would have probably awarded it to South Africa. Granted, I'm a little biased. Um, so maybe they can work that out a bit more. But, but I, I like the concept. Yeah, I think just uh, from a visual point of view, the Cricket World Cup is, I mean, a lot of people will have it on in the background. You know, they won't necessarily have the volume on. Um, so they can pick up stats. They can, they can be engaged the whole time. And I think there's a huge drive to, to get people interacting, to get them involved, to feel like they're part of the broadcast. And you spot on, the production is outstanding. It's simple, but the, 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 the camera angles we've got, um, the commentary has been uh, world-class. So far, I just think... Uh, Whoever's putting on the World Cup, the ICC at this stage, and whoever's broadcasting it from that point of view, putting it together, is just doing an, a top job. They really are. At the moment, we, we're busy watching the clash between England and Pakistan. So by the time you hear this, uh, you'll have already known the winner. At the moment, uh, Pakistan very much on top of things. Uh, an extraordinary innings uh, from them. And, and I put on Twitter again. Jeez, uh, actually, I'm on Twitter a lot. Um, <laughs> that... At Derek Albert's one, <laughs> yeah, right? At Derek Albert's one. I said it's just so typical of both these teams because going into this World Cup, they played in a five-match series. One was rained out. The other four were convincingly won by England. And I said it's just so typical of both England and Pakistan for England to win a meaningless series 4-0 and then win the one match that or lose the one match that counts. This is why we love cricket, isn't it? Because... You really don't know what's going to happen. And, and Pakistan turned up and scored 340-odd. I mean, after being bowled out for 105 by the West Indies. <laughs> it just shows. Are they the France of uh, the Cricket World Cup? Um, at this stage, I just think you never know. And, and I think it just goes to show just a little bit of self-belief goes a long way, especially with a team like Pakistan. Other days, though, they, they, this might be their their best performance of the whole tournament. But they uh, are a team that, uh, when they turn up, they're absolutely unbelievable. So, 
It could be very interesting to see how Pakistan go for the rest of the tournament. They can match that batting performance because it has been a big question mark. Their bowling, no problem there. But batting has had a huge question mark next to it. I'm glad you mentioned uh, France and the Rugby World Cup because that uh, segues nicely into my next point regarding rugby. But just on that point, you said that could Pakistan be potentially the, the France in rugby. I, I've got an issue with that now because I think the new France are South Africa. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Hey? That, that's, a, that's an interesting one because you're right. Lose to Japan. Yeah. Get within three points in the semi-final against the All Blacks. Well, there we go. So it could well be that. And let's hope it's true. <laughs> Although I don't really like the losing to the All Blacks, you know, but uh, I think you're well, beating right. the All Blacks in Wellington yeah. last year. I, that's why I say I think it, it lends itself. The format lends itself in a way to South Africa in that, OK, we've had two bad days at the office. Let's put that beside us now. This is where we need to improve. Some soul searching's maybe been done, some questions asked. And hopefully, uh, you know, as you say, it's a semi-finals appearance later on in the tournament. So regarding rugby, this was a very interesting tweet that came out today. Produced by the All Blacks of everyone. I don't know if you got to see it. I haven't yet. I haven't yet. They named an all-time cricket 15. So they named a rugby team made up of cricketers. Fantastic. Um, pretty cool. The idea is nice. And, and it led me to try and, and hazard a guess at a few names. But the names that they gave, um, yeah, I, I wouldn't be uh, selecting this side to, to take on um, Motherwell's fifth uh, team, never mind uh, <laughs> an international side. But uh, just looking at the cricket 15, uh, well, the rugby the cricketing rugby 15. Um, up front, uh, well, let's start at fullback. An obvious choice, Jeff Wilson. Yes. You actually played there. Talented man. Yeah. Uh, the wingers, Shab Akta and uh, Lasith Malinga. Um, yeah, no real surprises there. No. Probably go for some others, but if you really had Looking to. Looking surely. He's big, though. I mean, a forward pack. Yeah, forward yeah. Pack. And, and I think he actually did play play flank or lock. I just thought that Jonah Lomu sort of effect. Mm. <laughs> anyway. <Yeah. laughs> um, the centres, geez, no, definitely not. Ian Botham and Kevin Peterson. No ways. Nah. Not a chance. That, that's a rubbish lineup. Um, the the halfback pairing. At number nine, you've got John G. Rhodes, which is a fair call. That could work. That could work. Yeah. And at fly half, and, and this is an interesting one. Now, I'll give the reason why. Brendan McCullum. Okay. Brendan McCullum played fly half for Christchurch Boys High and he kept one Dan Carter on the bench. That's unreal. Yeah. That is unreal. So, so hence the thinking behind okay, that's it. that's fair. We'll accept that. But from a South African point of view, I've spoken to numerous people who say they've never seen a better schoolboy fly half than Herschel Gibbs. Herschel Gibbs, exactly. So, so I definitely have Gibbs in the mix there. And, and looking at the centres, I'd probably have someone like A.B. de Villiers there. Not the biggest. He'd be my... My outside? Yeah, possibly. Yeah, who, who would be a big 12? Because that centre pairing is rubbish. Andre Russell? Yeah, that would be a great Can't one. we have him at 12? <laughs> that would be a very, very good one. Yeah, I like Andre Russell at 12. Um, yeah, that's a great one. Should we try with him? We'll try with him. Cool. So, so we, uh, uh, well, okay, so then are you, are you happy with AB and outside? Definitely. Great yeah. hands. Also, cool. uh, I believe a good cricket, a rugby player in his day he, too. He was very good. Played fly half for Afis alongside Pierre Spiss. Pierre Spiss is his, his number eight. Speaking of number eight... They've got Andrew Simons. Mm, not bad. Not bad. I could go with that. Big boy. I would have gone, and, and this is, again, knowing schoolboy experience, Hansi Cronier played Free State School's eighth man. Yeah, you see. I mean, also, and, fantastic. Not that we're biased at all towards South Africans, but he can play. And, and here's another interesting fact. His brother, um, what was his name? Franz. Franz, Franz yeah. Cronier. Franz Cronier is the only player to have captained an SA Schools team and an SA Schools rugby team. Cricket and rugby, That's yeah. That's insane. 
That's insane. Great player, hey? Wow. <laughs> and yet, obviously, Hansi went on to, to bigger and better things. Um, okay, so they've got Andrew. I'll go Hansi. Your choice? Yeah, I think eight is a, is a difficult one. I'm trying to think of the other teams here. We've got New Zealand and Australia. Uh, where would Mitchell Stark? No. Um, yeah, too rangy. Too rangy. Although you'd be surprised uh, when I go through these next names. <laughs> okay. Right, let's move on. I'll come back to that. Okay, so, um, yeah, this is, this is when it all goes very pear-shaped. Um, the, the loose trio, okay, so we've got Simons there. The flankers. Good call, this one. Chris Gale. I'll take that. I'll take that. Yeah. Big. He could play eight, actually. Easily. Yeah. Uh, okay. They could they interchange. Could in, yeah, interchange throughout the game. <laughs> um, they don't. Okay, well, they've got Chris Gale at six, uh, seven. So, that, how does it work with South Africa again? We have open side at seven, and they've got blind side at six. Okay, so at, at seven, <laughs> this is this is rubbish. Emma's Doney. No ways. Yeah, not a chance. <laughs> in a, in a pack. No. And he, he'd barely make my back line. He'd, he wouldn't. Well, he wouldn't make my back line. Um, but uh, yeah, Emma's Doni at seven. Nah, there's no ways. No. Uh, who else would be there? I would go for someone. Uh, actually, I think it was Craig Ray who, who spoke to me. Or Dan Nickel. Um, Graham Smith. Potentially, yes, definitely. Yeah. Look, you'd have to be a, a blind side. He's <laughs> <laughs> not going to be fetching any ball. No. He won't be first to the no, ball. No, but solid enough. Yeah. Solid. Okay, this is, this is the worst pick of them all. Um, at number five, Tim Salvi. No, man. Yeah. Tim Sally. Tim Sally. They've got him. Wow. Okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Carry on with the others. Let's see what else we got there. Okay. Absolute nonsense choice there. I would go. My number five, Chris Tremlett, the yeah, England yeah. lock. Have you seen what he looks like yeah, these days? Yeah, exactly. He's like seven foot one. And he's about that wide. Yeah. He's, uh, he's a bodybuilder now. Yeah. It's not fat. That's no. Pr- proper muscle. He is massive. And then at number four, it's a good choice, but I wouldn't go for him. They've got Curtly Ambrose. I would go for Mornay and Morkel. He's got Mornay and Tremlett. The perfect Yeah, that would be pairing. solid. That would uh. be solid. So like a Victor and a Bucky. Exactly. There we go. Exactly. Now, the front row, um, I grew at the names, but I just uh, changed them up a bit. Uh, at Lucid, they've got David Boone, which I would have at Hooker. Yeah, I think that could work. Because the Hooker, they've got Ajuna Ranatunga. I know. He looks far more like a Lucid to me. <laughs> You took the, took the words out of my mouth. Oh, my goodness. And uh, finally, wrapping up proceedings, and this was probably the most obvious choice of the lot, at Tighthead, can you hazard a guess? Think of the biggest man to have played World Cup cricket and also the owner of the best catch, uh, potentially the best catch in history, given, given his frame. Is he from Bermuda? That's the one. What's his name again? Dwayne Leverock. There we go. <laughs> Dwayne Leverock. The unit. <laughs> yeah, so uh, interesting uh, cricket 15 selected by the All Blacks. But uh, yeah, definitely make a, a couple of changes. But on the whole, a nice concept. And it's certainly got a lot of people te- speaking. Yeah, their social media is on point, uh, the All Blacks. So that's nice. I'd like to uh, see the other nations, other rugby nations get involved. Yeah, well, uh, hopefully they do. And uh, a lot of people are talking about it on social media. And uh, the best part of this whole thing. This is so cool. I'm so excited he is about this. Because <laughs> no, you know how precious Indian fans are about Sachin Tendulkar. They saw this thing released and immediately called and started saying, where's Sachin? Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Okay. Ten, maybe. <laughs> They're complaining about Sachin Tendulkar not being in a rugby 15. Uh, they, they, I guarantee they didn't know what the squad no, had know. anything to do with. It had to be Sachin. Never mind the fact that there were 15 names there, not 11. 
But, uh, you know, the fact that Sashin didn't make it there, uh, they were highly, highly pissed off. Um, yeah, that uh, pretty much wraps things up. Uh, regarding World 11s or World 15s, mm-hmm. uh, I think it's only fitting that we, we wrap up the show. Uh, it wasn't too long ago I caught up with one Kahisa Rabat. And uh, granted, this was, I asked him about a test 11. Mm-hmm. I actually didn't, I, no, to be honest, I actually didn't, I wasn't specific. I said, give you a world 11. And, and, and he came up with an interesting combination. So this was KG Rabada's world 11, according to him. And you'll hear it could probably fit into any format, really. Uh, opening the batting for me would be Quentin de Kock. And it would be... Quinton de Kock and Alex Hales. Number three for me would be Kane Williamson. Number four is Virat. Number uh, five is AB. Number six would be Ben Stokes. Number seven, I would go Chris Morris. No, Chris Morris at eight. Uh, number seven would actually be Stokes. Number six, I'd go with Glenn Maxwell. And number nine, I'd go with I need some bowlers. Look, Chris, Ben, Trent. I'll go with Mitchell Stark. And I need a spinner. And then I'd go Imran Tahir at 11. And then I'd go one more Seema. I'd go with Trent Bolt. Instead of Trent Bolt, sorry, because I've already got a left arm. I'll go Southie. Uh, I would give the captaincy to Kane Williamson. Yes, interesting choice uh, there from Kakisa Rabadas and Tim Sadi making the Rugby 15 for the All Blacks and making uh, Kakisa Rabadas uh, World 15. Uh, interesting choice. Uh, just going through them again. Quinton de Kock. Alex Hales, Kane Williamson also wearing the armband, Virat Kohli, A.B. De Villiers, uh, yeah, Alex Hales, uh, a surprise, Glenn Maxwell, Ben Stokes, Chris Morris, Mitchell Stock, Tim Sadi, and Imran Tahir. What does Faf call him? Mr. Men's Health. Well, Men's Health, isn't it? He's a robotic men's health. Specimen. And he's an incredible cricketer. Chris um, Morris has another name for him, but uh, I won't go into that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we'll keep that one. Um, all right. So looking there, I think Alex Hales is question mark there, potentially at the top. Um, that's an interesting. Who would you open at the top there? I mean... Uh, the... Okay, let, let's make this into an ODI side because it very much can be an ODI can team. Be, yeah. um, two, I would probably, I'd keep Quinton there yeah. and I'd probably go with Joe Root. Yeah, I think so. Sorry, not Joe Root. Uh, what am I saying? Um, the SA born boy, uh, Jason Roy. Jason Roy could mm. play there. I think Joe Root is, uh, is also a quality player. He could be in the mix there. I mean, the, the big question, and maybe it's um, something we, we haven't really touched on much, is A.B. de Villiers. Do you think he would contributed at this World Cup? I mean, to have A.B. de Villiers in your lineup, it, it's just he's one of the best players that's ever played the game, let's be honest. And to have someone like that in your side, regardless of uh, the politics that comes with it, still it's a big name to have in that mix. Yeah, it is. But uh, unfortunately, this was asked before A.B. retired from the game. 
uh, well, international cricket, so yeah. hence why you're selected. But uh, I think KG would have selected him regardless. Uh, he'd be damned if Fabi was saying. Because, yeah. I mean, there's still question marks up in the air up until the very first ball of the World Cup. In fact, I heard some interesting news not too long ago where there was the potential for AB to return, but uh, there were a few decisions that didn't go his way. Uh, his wasn't one. Interestingly enough, so uh, yeah, it no, is. I no feel AB. he was bombarded with questions. Are you going to ask me about my World Cup appearance? Uh, I just think that if, imagine you threw an AB de Villiers into the mix of the side now, and suddenly it doesn't look so fragile at times, you know. And yeah, anyway, we can't have that. It's it's one of those things, and uh, the boys that have been selected will have to do the job. But looking at that side, it's pretty solid, though. Yeah, pretty solid. Uh, plenty of all rounders: Glenn Maxwell, Ben Stokes, Chris Morris. Uh, then you've got Stark, Sadi, and uh, Tahir wrapping up proceedings. So. So, uh, yeah, this side certainly wouldn't disgrace themselves. I think the one major change we'd go for is Alex Hales at the top. Uh, otherwise, uh, a very decent side. Yeah, I think so. I think quality cricket is all around. Uh, maybe another spinner in the mix at the expense of Tim Southey, potentially. Uh... Yeah. Well, funny enough, Tim Southey doesn't even make his own team oh, at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> so, but but, he, but he, he can make a, a rugby team, he can make KG's team, but the one that he really wants to crack, the New Zealand side, uh, he's not quite getting there. So, uh, yeah, that uh, pretty much wraps up episode two. Uh, big, big thank you to New Balance, uh, who are giving away uh, jerseys uh, throughout uh, the course of the World Cup, courtesy of Inside the Cricket World Cup, brought to you by Raider Media. That's uh, with uh, Sia Suplicy and myself, uh, Nice little question to throw out there. Let's do it a rugby one. Who did the All Blacks select as at number five for the Cricket World Cup 15? There we go. There you've got it. So uh, get in touch with us via social media. Yeah, social media, and they'll probably be getting it uh, via Facebook as well. Uh, you'll hear all the details when you see about the release of this podcast on there. Um, but you're at Derek Alberts1. CS2 plus C. There we go, on Twitter. And then if you have caught this via Facebook, uh, just answer in the comments. Um, we'll find a winner uh, by some way or the other. Don't you worry about it. By the time uh, we beat India. Yeah, by the time we beat India. There we go. I like the confidence. Uh, so yes, it's been a pleasure as always. Uh, I'll be catching up with you in a couple of days' time to wrap up uh, what took place over in Southampton as the Proteas uh, take on India, who won the World Cup back in 2011. South Africa still looking for the first ever trophy. Uh, yeah, hopefully we'll uh, be in far better spirits by the time we return. Thanks so much and uh, enjoy SA versus India. <laughs>